Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and when I get it ready, I'm going to come back and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Don't you love that promise? Don't you just love that promise? I tell you, it's been a difficult week in a lot of ways. If you read the news of the day, you read the news in Arkansas, and you know what we're battling, you know the things that are going on, you know the things that people are saying on each side, and, and you know that people are saying that the, the Bible is old and it's out of date, and, and we look at the picture on the screen here in just a minute, and I think this is kind of the word today, is have the church become obsolete? Is it just so old and... And the Bible, you know, it was good back in the day, but man, it's 2,000 years old when that happened, when Jesus died. And man, things have changed so much. And, you know, surely Jesus knew that we weren't going to be the same people that, that we were back then. And, you know, we're kind of changed. Our culture's changed. We dress different than they used to. We have different things that we like than they used to. We got more technology. We're smarter than we've ever been. And I, I just don't know if church is what it used to be. I don't know if it's as important as it used to be. I, I think the church is kind of old-fashioned. I think the Bible is out of date. And that seems to be the argument on both sides of just about anything that we argue anymore. Guys, I want to tell you what I feel that we believe as the church of the Lord. And this is not only Kaiser First Baptist Church, but if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, we believe that Jesus never changes. We believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what your preacher believes. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe if it was sin 10,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago or 6,000 years in the future, it's going to be sin now, it's always going to be sin, and it's always wrong. And you just fill in the blank. Whatever sin you want to put in that blank, it's wrong, it's always sin, it's always going to be sin. And just because we change our attitudes or change our thoughts or change our ways... We don't change God's ways, and God's ways are holy, and they are perfect, and they are sinless, and they are perfect in every way. I don't know how to say that any more bigger than that, but just know that God is holy. I believe that this word is infallible, which means I believe it has no mistakes in it at all. I believe it's God's inspired word. I believe it was inspired by God for men to write down on pieces of paper so that we would be able to talk to God in our day on his level and he could speak to us anytime he chooses. You can pick this up day or night, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can find out exactly what God wants to say to you every day of the week. And this word does not change. If we exist another 10 billion years as human beings, this God's word will not change and nothing it affects changes. He does not change. This word does not change. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that as your pastor with all of my heart. The day that I quit believing that, you find somebody else. But guys, we have got to not grow weary in doing good. What's happening now is the devil's got us even doubting if we should change our ways. The devil's got us doubting if we could, should look at things a little different than we used to because, you know, it's just a different time. It's a different culture. It's a different way of doing things. And guys, I believe that if the devil gets us to change our mind, we're going to be in a heap of hurt and we're not going to be founded on the solid rock. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And that's the way it is. I believe the church is not obsolete. I believe it's more important today than it's ever been. 
Because there's nine people out there telling you lies for every one person in here telling you the truth. I believe if there was ever a time for the church to stand up, it's today. Now, how we do that is, is the hard part. I believe, guys, what we have to remember before we go shouting and pointing fingers is that sin is sin. We all have sin. Sin is sin from lying to cheating to you name it. Sin is sin. We all sin. All is sin and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. And so when you point one finger out at somebody, guess what? About three is pointing back at you and your sin. So we have to deal with our sin individually, but we have to realize when we're sitting there battling on both sides of these issues and we're hammering on each other and we're saying you're bound for hell, there's souls in the balance. There's souls in the balance. We've got to think about how we say it, what we say it to, who we say it to, and what we say it about on the power of God's word. We do have to stand for the truth, but we have to be careful because in the balance of that is people's souls. And we may shut them off, and they be, may be cut off from God's grace forever in the words that we say and what we do. Guys, this is serious. This is serious. I could get up here and scream and shout and say, you're wrong, and 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 you're wrong. But guys, I'm telling you, we're all wrong. We all need the grace of Jesus Christ, and he's the only thing that can save us. He's the only thing that can save us. And guys, the church is not obsolete. Here's the verse that Danny was talking about. He didn't even know I was going to have this verse first off. I want to tell you this. The church is not obsolete, and the church will stand. Amen? Let's applaud for that this morning. The church will stand. But what about you, we ask? And this is Jesus talking to Peter. And he just asked him, said, you know, people say I'm all kind of people. And I'm telling you, this is so fitting for today. You go out there in the streets after church this day while you're at the restaurant. You go up to people at their table and say, who do you think Jesus is? And you're going to get a gazillion answers. He's a good person. He was a good teacher. He was way back then. He's my Lord and Savior. You'll get all kind of answers. But Jesus wants to know one thing. Who do you say he is? Who do you think he is? And I'm telling you, every person in this room that hears my voice this morning, every person out there that can't hear my voice that's ever been born has to answer this one question in your life. There is no more important question in your whole life. I got some seniors here thinking about college, thinking about career. I got some people thinking about is it time to get married. I got people thinking about is it time to have a child. I got people thinking about retirement. I got people thinking about grandchildren. All those things are great. But there's one thing that you have to answer that's bigger than anything in your life. Who do you say Jesus Christ is? No bigger question. And I can't answer it for you, and you can't answer it for me. What about you, he said. That's Jesus. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. That's the right answer. Okay, by the way, that's the right answer. Ding, 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 ding. That's the right answer. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Everybody say amen. 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 They're telling us, the people are telling us today that we're not going to make it, that we're not going to survive. I read a little comment this week. Guess what, Christians? You lose. Go home. It's over. It's a new day. You're obsolete. You're old-fashioned. And they don't know the Bible that I know. My Jesus tells me we do not lose because we follow Jesus Christ. We do not lose. It broke my heart. I've just, I've, I've anguished over this all week. For two weeks now. The battle of 
who should marry and who should marry who and what should marry what and all these things. The battle, and it breaks my heart because what is the right answer? We know what God says. And so a man and a woman will come together and they will become one flesh. They will leave their mother and father and they will become a family. That was way back over in Genesis. You know what? That's still true today. Still true today. Yeah, but Brother Todd, it's different. No, still true today. I'm going to be a little dogmatic about that. You know what I think we can be dogmatic about? It's Jesus' word. His word does not fail. I tell you, you are Peter, little rock. Little rock. I, I preached on this not too long ago, so I won't spend a lot of time. But on this rock, I'll build my church. What he was talking about, who did he say, who did he say Jesus was? He was the son of God. On that rock, on Jesus Christ, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We win. I love winning. Don't you love winning? We win. Not because of us. Not because I'm a great guy. Not because I'm perfect. But because I put my faith and trust in the gracious God, Jesus Christ, that died for my sins. And he wants to forgive me of my sins. He wants to hold me close. And he wants to love me forever and ever and ever. And he wants to do the exact same thing for you. And his love will not fail. So just in case you was wondering what Todd, what's Brother Todd think about this? Now you know. Now you know. But I want to say it to you. I want you to know where my heart is. Guys, we do not look down our nose at any one person because guess what? We're staring at us. We're staring at sinners. Every person we look at is a sinner. Every time you look in that mirror in the morning, we are a sinner. We need God's grace. We need his forgiveness. We need his mercy. We know about that. The majority in this room knows about that, and we have got to live that way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And guys, if you'll remember those two commandments as I told my youth group this morning, you got the Bible in a nutshell. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love him till it hurts. Love him where he's the most important thing in your life and then love your neighbor as yourself with that kind of love and it'll change the world. It'll change the world. Well, let's go and see. If, if the church is not obsolete, what's the church supposed to be doing? I've been going to church a long time, Brother Todd. I, what, what are we really supposed to do besides just sit here on Sunday and listen to you rant and rave? <laughs> what are we supposed to do? Well, I'm going to take you through Church 101 just real quick this morning. Acts 2, follow me there. Acts 2. Very familiar verses for a lot of you. And as we know, what we've been studying the last few weeks, we know the church is in its baby stage. It's in the little bitty infant stage. It's just getting started. But we know that Peter just got up and preached an awesome sermon, and 3,000 people come and give their heart to Jesus that day. Boom. Would have loved to have been there. Can you imagine working the prayer group on that one, Gary? Can you imagine being a prayer partner that day? You got 35 people standing in line waiting to talk to you about accepting Jesus. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a revival in the land if we had that again? I'm just calling people. Uh, we don't have enough prayer partners. Come on up. I need more men. I need more women. Would y'all come up? There's 50 more want to get saved. There's 100 more that want to. Here's 500 more that want to be saved. Can you imagine what that would be like if that broke loose in America today? It can happen again. We serve the same God. I said that earlier, didn't we? He does not change. His one thing, the one thing that God cares about is people come to know him as Savior. That's the one thing he cares about. Everything he does, everything the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit does is about that, moving people towards salvation. And he does not change. 
Church 101. Let's read, let's read Acts 2. Go down to verse 40. Acts 2, verse 40. With many other words he warned them. Now, we don't have Peter's whole sermon here. It kind of cuts it off short. Kind of like y'all wish I would sometime. Amen? Amen. All right? But he cuts it off. He said, with many other words. He preached along. He, he preached some more. He preached. Man, this was an awesome sermon if you stop right there. But he preached some more with many other words. He warned them and he pleaded with them. Guys, I hope you understand that as your pastor and as a preacher that you're hearing this morning. Maybe you're not even a member of this church yet. But as a man standing before you, I plead with you to understand how much God loves you. It's really dear to my heart. I just want you to love him so much that it just hurts you. And it ain't going to hurt. It's going to be perfect. But I hope you know my heart about that. Guys, I don't have it all right. You don't have the best preacher but I do love you. And more than that, God loves you. And he pleads. You ever seen somebody plead? Please. My kids know pleading real well. Please, please, Daddy, please. They know how to plead really good. Them grandkids, I see Mary back there smiling. She knows what pleading's about. Plead, please. I plead with you on my knees to know Jesus. I plead with you to make it the most important thing in your life. I plead with you not to give up on him. And I plead with you to stand strong on his word because it's the best thing going. It's the best thing going. He pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. That could be said in 2014. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. About 3,000. Could have been a little less, could have been a little more. And you know, there's something to remember there when a bunch of people come forward. We don't know all their hearts. They may have the right intentions, may have the best things in mind. Sometimes they're still seeking. We see that a lot at camp. We have a lot of young kids, and, and man, I want to just save all of them and take them home saved, but I can't, I can't do that. I can't do a corporate saving for them. They have to do that on their heart, just like little Hayden steps up and says, I, I want to I believe in Christ as my Savior. He's been talking about that for six months, and he's been seeking, he's been seeking, been seeking God, been seeking that God would fill his heart, and God did this week, man. It's awesome. But about 3,000, some, some more, some less. And they began their journey. They were baptized. Here in a few weeks, we're going to baptize again. My, one of my favorite things to do. And, and what that's going to do is it's going to kind of set the, set the mark. Okay, my journey begins. Boom. Here I go. And guys, what I want us to understand in Church 101 is Coming to know Jesus as Savior and then being baptized and kind of your first big testimony and standing up and telling everybody how much you love the Lord here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow him in death, burial, and resurrection. That's what I want to do. But you're signing a covenant. You're, you're signing a commitment that, that I'm going to do something. That's not the end of the story. So, somewhere, I don't know where, but we got in our minds as people that once I get saved and get baptized, I'm done. That's just the beginning. And guys, this takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of devotion because it's week after week, day after day, hour after hour after hour. And you know how we are as Americans. Your kids say it at least nine times a week. Mom and Daddy, I'm bored. That's the way we are. We get bored real quick. 
We can come and sing la, 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 la one Sunday, and next Sunday we're bored with that. And, and we get bored with church. Is this all we do is just come and sing, and Brother Todd preaches, and we pray and take up the money, and is that it? Well, it can be it, but there's, there's so much more than that. This is just the pep rally. We're going to look here in a minute, and the churches, this new church, they didn't have big buildings like this. They were meeting in their house. But it, it was the believers that met. What they did was all during the week, they're out there saying, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus died for you? Do you know there was a man that they put on the cross, and he come back to life, and he wants to offer you eternal life? Would you like to pray to receive Christ as your Savior? Would you like me to tell you about a man that loves you more than life itself? And they were spreading the word. It was like wildfire. You talk about a revival. I, I think they were just vibed because it was new. It wasn't even time to read yet. They were just vibed. They were excited. Woohoo! And then on Sunday when they come to the house, they brought their new friends with them. They had brand new converts. And they get to stand up and say, hey, my name's Joe Bob Israelite. And, and I, I want these people to Christ through God's love this week. And I'd like you to meet Mary and Jerry and, and, and Fred and, and Marla. And, and these folks come to know Christ as Savior this week. And they want to be part of our family now. And the crowd went crazy. Woohoo! That's what church was supposed to be about. Every week, you're supposed to bring somebody in here and say, this week, I, I want them to Christ. Through God's help, of course. But I was able to tell them, we prayed, and they accepted Christ. That's what this whole time should be. You know, if y'all did that during the week, you wouldn't even have to listen to me. There's a challenge for you. I'll sit right there, and I won't say nothing but hallelujah and amen, and I'll just let you parade people up here and say, these nine people I won to Christ this week. Woohoo! These 12 people I won to Christ. We will do that all day long. I love it. That's what church was meant to be. That's what church was meant to be. Let's read some more. Here's what happens now. Now that you're saved, now that you've baptized, 42, here's what they did. Here's church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and at the mighty wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property. Wait, stop right there. I'm not selling anything. And possessions to give to everyone who, who need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's church. That's, that's church 101. That's the core basics of church 101 right there. That's what we're supposed to be doing right here. Do you know that it was never intended for welfare to even be a part of our vocabulary? Do you know that the church was supposed to do that? Selling our possessions and giving to whoever that needs. I'm not selling anything. Brother Todd, I think that's old and out of date. What was the second commandment? And love your neighbor as yourself. We'd be pretty sorry people if we have abundance and our neighbor's starving next door over the fence from us. We'd be pretty sorry people. But we know how all that fell apart. This was what he wanted. His word doesn't change. I think we done established that this morning about three times. It doesn't change. This is what he wants from his church. Let's look at it real quick. 
Number one, a strong church is built on the basics. What makes Kaiser First Baptist strong? Not me. Not that great singer we got, Danny Graham. He's a good-looking fellow, but it's not built on him. We got some great deacons, not built on them. We got some great Sunday school teachers, amen, not built on them. We got some great members. You guys are awesome, not built on you. What's it built on? They devoted themselves daily to the apostles' teaching. What's he talking about there? The Word of God. These doctrines. Doctrine is just a, a thing for, for teachings, our beliefs. They, they wanted to know about what this was about. Do you have a hunger for God's Word? Let me ask you this, and you don't have to raise your hand or speak out loud. When's the last time you picked up this book during the week and read it? I'm not talking about flipping it open with me on Sunday morning or in your Sunday school class. Do you read this Bible every day? Do you have a hunger to know God? To know what he's saying, to know his teachings? See, I don't want you to believe this because I spew it out. I want you to believe this because God has showed it to you. I want you to believe it because you've read it. Somebody says, well, why do you believe what you believe? Because Brother Todd said, that's not going to hold up water there. That's going to that's fall through, all right? Why do you believe what you believe? Because I read in God's Word over in Matthew that he said, if I'll seek, I'll find him. He said, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those that seek after righteousness. I've read that with my own eyes. The Holy Spirit that is in my life, he's, he's helped me understand it. And that's why I believe in God's Word. That's what we want. They devoted themselves to it. What are you devoted to in your life? Devoted to your kids? You devoted to your husband or your wife? Devoted to your job? You devoted to your sports team? I have to watch that when that steps on my toes sometimes. I watch a lot of Cardinal baseball. What are we devoted to? What will we make sure that if nothing else gets done, that's going to get done? You know what it says in the Bible? If you're his, if you're a believer, if you're part of the church of God, you're going to devote yourself to this. Number one. Number one. Nothing bigger. To teaching and to fellowship taking care of each other, being together. Oh, I can be a Christian and not go to church, Brother Todd. I've argued that with, I don't know how many people. I've, I've got that answer in there on the back of a letter somewhere. I've answered it so many times, you know. I, I, can, I can not go to church and be a Christian. Guys, you probably can. But you know, you've heard me say a thousand times, who out there this week is going to lift up God to you? Not very many. Maybe if you stop long enough and find a good spot on TV, they'll be preaching God's Word. Maybe you might run into one of us uptown and they'll say, hey, how you doing? What you reading God's Word right now? Very few. This fellowship, this coming together, it's so important. As I said earlier, it's more important than it's ever been. Because it brings us together. It makes us realize we're not a man on an island. We are a person, a woman, man, boy, girl. We are a person that is part of the family of God. 
And that gives us strength. And we hear a young man saying, I'll be back. That gives us strength. And we say, when I wake up in the land of glory, I'll shout his name and tell the story. That gets me excited. That gives us energy to go out these doors and to proclaim and to be a fighter for Jesus Christ. The breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper. When's the last time? I asked you this last time. When's the last time you had Lord's Supper? And you know, it's not so much the, the bread and the juice, but it's what they represent. It's remembering. Remembering. Guys, we should visit this cross every day in our mind. When we hit the floor in the morning, remembering that he paid the price on the cross, that he took my sin, and he paid a tremendous price he suffered beyond what we can ever imagine. We think we suffer. We didn't suffer. Jesus Christ suffered. Try going out in the, go out in the shed this week and drive a nail through your hand. See how well you like that. We, we don't suffer. But remembering. It's not so much the bread and the, and the juice. It's remembering what Jesus did for us. The price that was paid. And then the last one it says, and the most important, end to prayer. How many times did you pray this week? And not just, thank you God for my food, amen. Not, more than, what, did you sit down and talk with him? These are the core basics. Learning God's word, fellowshipping with others, remembering what he did, and praying. Those are core basics of what we believe. That's what was pointed out. Those people were saved. They repented of their sin. They were baptized to over 3,000 or about 3,000, give or take, and they went right to work. And they knew that I can't stop here. I got to do something else. I got to devote myself to learning more about what Peter just said. I got to understand what he's talking about. I got to understand about this Jesus, the Messiah. I've got to fellowship and hang around with these people because I need that energy that they have. I need to remember that Jesus died for my sins and he rose again. And I need to be on my knees in prayer. Guys, it don't get much bigger than that. Our next part, real quick. Got to hurry. A strong church is in awe of God. Oh, I wish you'd hurry up. Oh, I don't know. I got to go to church today. I'm just wore out. I get to go to church today. I get to worship the one that died for me. I get to worship the one that gave me eternal life. My eyes are so big, I can't take it all in. I'm in awe. Have you, have you ever been in awe of something? You know, we live in a society that the biggest, best thing, and, you know, one year it's big and bad, and then, the, you know, it's kind of like doing the Christmas tree every year. What, what do we say the first thing after we finish, Dan? What, what are we going to do next year to top that? How are we going to make it bigger and better? And we live in a bigger, better world. It's got to be bigger. It's got to be better. It's got to be bigger. It's got to be better. I'm telling you, it don't get any bigger than Jesus Christ. And we are to just, man. And you know what? We'll get more excited about a monster truck jumping over some mud banks than we will Jesus Christ. We'll get more excited about a guy going, you can't see me, than we will Jesus Christ. Y'all know who I'm talking about. All you WWE fans, raise your hand. All right, no, I'm just kidding. You see what we get in awe about? They were in awe. 
They were overwhelmed. It just, it just spilled out of them. Guys, when we're in awe of Jesus Christ, they won't even be able to get around us. It'll be like getting your finger around jelly. It's just going to stick all over them because he's just going to ooze out of us because we're filled with the Spirit. I was in awe. Uh, it's just, <laughs> I can't even talk. He's so great. Do you get that excited about Jesus? Oh, I don't know if I'll make it back tonight or not. It's been a rough week. And many wonders and signs. And apostles were doing some awesome things too. I'm sorry I can't perform a miracle for you. But I can show you the one that can bring miracles. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And it says all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They were in unity. I don't like that carpet. I don't like that flag back there. I don't like this cross on this. Oh, I don't like them speakers. They're so loud. And Miss June plays. She missed the note the other day. And it's crazy. Everything, everybody had everything in common. Woo! We get to worship God. We get to, we get to be with our friends. We get to be with people that believe like I do. And we know they believe what I believe, and I believe what they, and we believe in Jesus Christ, and that's strong. That's strong. That's good. That's so good, it's, it's gooder. You know, it's good. Going on, strong churches and all. What's the next one there? A strong church enjoys life together. They sold property and processions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now this breaking bread is the kind of bread we know about. Us Baptists are professional fellowship dinner people, all right? And they were breaking bread with each other. They were eating each other's house. We used to do that a long time ago, but we got too stinking busy for some reason. And now we just text each other and we Facebook each other and send them a picture of our kids once in a while. And, oh, isn't that cute? I like that. Boop, boop, boop. And, but we, we can't talk. We can't, our kids ain't going to be able to talk to each other. Hold on. I said hello to you. No. That's the way we're going to talk. They fellowship. They had a good time together. They enjoyed being with each other. You see what it's, they enjoy life together with sincere hearts. And they broke bread in their homes. Now, this one part in here, they met together in the temple courts. Let me tell you this real quick. When you give your heart to Jesus, it doesn't all change overnight. Amen, church? You're not sitting out going to get it right the next day and all them old temptations and all those things. Those folks were Jewish people. You know, we talked about that. And they were still going to the temple and learning about the Old Testament. They were still trying to get this thing under control and understand it. They knew their old ways and they knew they had a new way. And they're still trying to get it all balanced out and trying to figure out what Jesus wants from them. So they're still going to the court. They're still learning at the temple. But they're, they're, they're learning something new, and they just couldn't wait for the next week and the next week and the next week. Oh, to have that expectation again. To have that expectation. One more. A church shines the light. A strong church shines the light. Praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Don't you love that part? When did he add? Every Sunday when they came together? Nope. Every day. As they say now in the South, every day. Every day they were getting more people to come and know Jesus. Isn't that great? Praising God. Now, sadly, they would only enjoy the favor of the people for a short time. Because, guys, what we're dealing with today and what they were dealing with then is when you say the name of Jesus, it, it makes some people mad. They don't want to hear it. They don't want no part of that. That's not, that doesn't pertain to them. That's old-fashioned. And they know, 
Guys, listen to me. Say the name of Jesus and not feel convicted. When I say the name of Jesus, I'm convicted because I know he's holy and I know I'm not. I know that. And when you can say, God, oh, I believe in God. Oh, I believe in a beautiful creation. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? <clears throat> Let us get mad. They start getting mad for no reason. I just said Jesus. And they'll get mad. Oh, you're one of them Christian people. One of them right-winger guys that they're just so conservative and you don't have an open mind and you're intolerant and, oh, man, you just hate everybody and you're hate mongers. You know what I do hate? I hate sin. That's what I hate because Jesus hates sin. But he loves you and me. I hate the sin in my life, and, and, but I don't hate it enough to stop. But that's what I hate. I hate that I don't stop sinning. He loves you. He loves you. Let me close with this. Back before there was Google, okay? Now, you younger guys won't understand this. We used to have this group of books. And there was a guy that come around the house selling them, you know? Everybody say the word, encyclopedia, all right? And there was a bunch of them. And every time you moved, and we moved a bunch, I had to pick up the encyclopedias and put them in a box. And what the encyclopedia was for you Google generation was if you had to know something, you went there, and it was, if it wasn't in the encyclopedia, you didn't need to know it. But we had encyclopedias, and we would go in there, and we'd get a D. You know, if we wanted to learn about dogs, we got a D out, we learned about dogs. Well, in the Britannica 13th series edition, it had a, a thing on church history. And I found this this week, and, and guys, I, I love this. Let me read it to you. The most notable thing about the life of the early Christians, talking about these folks we just read about, was their vivid sense of being a people of God called and set apart. They realized there was something different in my life. And you know what? They liked it. They like being different. Oh, my goodness. They like not wearing what everybody else wore. They like wearing their hair a little different. They liked wearing their clothes a little different. They liked being different for God. They love being set apart. Now we like to put our camouflage on and just blend in. Shh. Don't tell anybody at work I'm a Christian. If you've been working there a year and they don't know if you go to church or not, You've messed up. Get that fixed Monday, all right? Okay, I'm sorry. The Christian church, in their thought, was a divine, not a human institution. This is not about us and me and you. And this is not about making me comfortable. And this is not about making you comfortable. This is a divine institution. And it's not because it's this building. That's where we get problems. We say we're going to go to church. We're going to go to church, and this is where we go to church. Guess what? If we know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are the church. This and we've seen this happen in Valonia, and we've seen it happen in Mayflower. Their church was completely knocked off its foundation. Not that I wish that would happen by no means, but their church was completely destroyed, and they sat out there on that slab the next Sunday with the cross in the background, and you know what? They had church because that building wasn't the church. They were the church. They were the church. And we need to realize that. It, it's a divine institution. It's from God. It's not something that me and a bunch of deacons got together one day and said, let's have a church. 
Now, somebody did that a long time ago to put a church here in Kaiser, but it's because they were inspired by God to do that. And you know why I know that? Because this church is still here. And we're coming up on, in 2018, 100 years. 100 years we're going to be a church. Isn't that awesome? That's because God's been here. It was founded and controlled by God, and, every, and even the world was created for its sake. How much do you think the world believes that today? That the world was created for the church's sake. Oh, my goodness. Oh, y'all just think it's all about you. No, it's all about him. It's all about him. This conception controlled all life of the early Christians, both individual and social. Everything they did, they ran it through God first. Everything. Both their individual lives and their social lives. If it didn't approve, meet God's approval, guess what? They didn't do it. They didn't do it. They regarded themselves as separate from the rest of the world and bound together by peculiarities. Now, there's a bunch of peculiar people in this room, I know. But you know what? I'm glad we're peculiar together. He says, I want you to be peculiar. I want you to be different. I want the world, when they see you, to go, I want what they got. I want what they got. That's the problem why churches aren't growing. That's why we got 10, 15 different churches in Mississippi County that are about to close the doors because they don't want what the people got. Guys, I want them to want what we've got. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. Their citizenship was in heaven, not on earth. And the principles and laws by which they strove to govern themselves were from above. There's where our laws come from. You know what? He says to render under Caesar's what's Caesar's and under God's what's God's. And we are to follow the laws of the land. But I want to tell you this. When the laws of the land go in direct opposite of Jesus Christ and his laws, we've got to come out and we've got to stand up for Jesus and not the laws of the land. And that's coming. That's coming. That's coming. Go ahead. You can clap to him. All right? We will have to stand up for what the Bible says when it goes against what the laws of the land say. And they're going to go against the Bible. It's coming. All right? The present world was temporary, and their true life was in the future. Isn't that great? He's coming back. He's coming back. Christ was soon to return, and the employments and labors of this age were of small concern. My job's no big deal. My house is no big deal. My car's no big deal. God's coming back. He's got a special plan for me, and I'm going to be about his business. And all these other concerns and all these worries, all these things that I've sat there and wrecked my brain about, it's no big deal because God's got it all under control. Can you see how far we've come away from where we should be? Here, I'll close up. In the everyday life of Christians, the Holy Spirit was present, and all the Christian graces were the fruits. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. A result of this belief was to give their lives a peculiar, enthusiastic, or inspirational character. The result of this was, man, these people were excited. They were excited about Jesus. Theirs was not the everyday experiences of ordinary man, but a man lifted out of themselves and transported to a higher sphere. I was sinking deep in sand, far from the peaceful shore, then he lifted me. Christ lifted me, and he set me in a brand new place. And I'm so excited about this, I want everybody to know about it. And I don't want to blend in no more. I don't want to just be a part of the scenery. I want them to know about Jesus Christ. I want them to know how exciting it is to be a part of a body like this. I want them to come and be peculiar with me. And I want to just love Jesus like he's never been loved before. Let me show you one last picture. I love this. 
This is what the church, when I've seen this picture, it reminds me of what the church is becoming in the world today. If we're not careful, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. But you know what? It's sitting on the rock. That rock is Jesus. And what did we read at the very beginning? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Better get inside. This is the place to be. All other ground is sinking sand. It's going to fail. You better get inside. Upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Let's pray. Then, Father, thank you for inspiring us. Thank you for the model that you gave us of this very early, excited church. And, Lord, infuse us with that kind of excitement. Lord, help us not to worry about being peculiar or being different. Or, Lord, just help us to, to shout your name. Be excited and have that smile on our face that nobody can slap off. And Lord, just help us to live in a way that people want to know what we got. Lord, help us to be about your business. Help us to be telling people about you. Help us to be devoted to what this is. Lord, speak to hearts this morning. 